The Transmission, episode 69, August 22nd, 2009. Silar absorbs that heat, then he fixes his glare on Parkman. Silar. What the f*** is Aloha from the Island Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And I'm Ryan. And we're glad to be back. It's hard to believe it's been an entire month since Comic Con. But we're here back on the island. And I guess time flies when... All heck is breaking loose in your house, but after surviving issues with the uh, colds and cats and all yeah. kinds of chaos, all overly documented on Twitter, of course, we're happy to be sending out one quick podcast here to kind of follow up on Comic-Con as long ago as that was, look ahead to our Season 3 rewatch, and of course, sort of look ahead to the start of production on Season 6. We hope you enjoyed our coverage from San Diego mm-hmm. and listening in on the epic, amazing, crazy Lost <laughs> panel, so we'll share our thoughts about this that and some of the developments since. Now, fair warning, of course, for those of you on strict, spoiler-free diets, we may touch on some things that might make your tummy upset, but if you've kept up with any of the chatter from Comic-Con, there shouldn't be any major reveals here. And frankly, during the long hiatus, I'd say just sort of go ahead. Indulge yourself. Yeah, live a little. (laughs) Exactly. Then we'll lay out our plans for the hiatus, during which we'll review season three. And of course, we will share what we can of Lost Production here in Honolulu. That's right. It's about to get started on Monday, although there was a little bit of activity yesterday. Oh, really? No no real reports, but it just really, really is exciting to hear they're getting back to work. And finally, we're going to tell you how you could win from the transmission a limited edition Benjamin Linus bobblehead doll, which was a Comic-Con exclusive from Entertainment Earth. So you ready? Let's get lost. So I gotta say, it's been a while, but I'm still kind of buzzing from Comic-Con. I am definitely buzzing. That panel was like, the energy was like a rock concert. Everybody was so excited. Everybody looked so happy to be there. And it was just jam-packed full of fun stuff from minute to minute. Well, we definitely had a blast being there. And I know many of you like listening in, close to almost 70,000 people downloaded the audio to that. Significantly more than normally listen to our show. So certainly there was a lot to enjoy. Now, of course, we participated in Jay and Jack's wonderful podcast yep. panel the later that day and uh, shared our immediate thoughts and if you're interested in those, certainly you can go to Jay and Jock's podcast feed and pick up that wonderful conversation moderated by Ralph. Yes. But uh, now we've had more time to process and look back. I'm getting the feeling, though, that you still love it as much as you did back then. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. They didn't tell us anything. They told us absolutely nothing about what was coming up, what to expect. They didn't answer any questions, but it was still a riot just to see so many of the actors on the stage was amazing. I mean, definitely one of the best Lost pod uh, panels ever. I mean, I guess, again, you would say the very first one when everyone saw the pilot for the first time before the rest of the world saw the pilot. I wish that I had been there for that. must have been fantastic. But yeah. this, other than that, this is definitely the greatest. Now, that was only our second um, our, our second Comic-Con, but at the last Comic-Con, it was just Matthew Fox that was there and right. really didn't have an opportunity to incorporate him at all into the questions or into what Damon and Carlton were saying. So here, cl- certainly 
surprisingly, they did deliver on their promise to make it worth our while, to really thank the fans, to give us what we right. want, to highlight everything that the fan community has done. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that they didn't give us any answers. In fact, I think there were some very specific messages and actually some actual answers given out at the panel. Well, the main idea we were supposed to come away with was that Jack's plan actually worked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they illustrated that um, in the series of short videos, the fake Oceanic commercial, the fake Mr. Cluck's mm-hmm. ad, America's Most Wanted. We're supposed to get the idea that things are different, that that something has erased the last five years and we've gone back to the beginning. Right back to uh, Jorge Garcia acting in, uh, once again, even in real life as a proxy for the audience saying, that that's a big cheat. I mean, that can't right. possibly happen. And of course, the response from the stage being, you have to trust us. Now, <laughs> it's really interesting because as we closed season five and we discussed our two-hour podcast about the finale and then we go back on and reviewed the entire series, I think there was a great sense of dread that this was going to be the case. right? And it's really odd because I still am worried about that prospect, but they are being so forward and moving so ahead and saying that you guys need to be prepared for this possibility. I know they're being so honest about it that I think they really have the end point in mind and they really know what they're doing so i have total faith now well i mean there's two ways that it can go one they could just be psyching us out they could be just doing this and saying oh you know turns out we're not doing that but it wasn't it great to worry about that Uh but i also think that this might be just very strategic on their part to kind of pre uh, disarm those objections and saying okay we if we do come back and jack's plan worked and the plane lands and everything seems to be uh, okay and having erased everything that we just watched don't you know give up on us at that point you right. know, there's going to be something coming but so definitely i would say that was the key message from the panel but there were again so you know they did say that we would see some people we will see juliet and we will see faraday again mm-hmm. absolutely and of course in response to what i think was a genuine uh, audience question they said that we would get richard alpert's backstory and i think that's a pretty Which big thing. i love that was the main thing that i really felt like i had to see this season was richard alpert's backstory they uh did say that we would see less dharma and I think some of the things that are happening online is sort of going to feed any hunger anyone has for the dharma stuff and we'll get to that but they did say that the dharma initiative is going to take kind of a back seat that was the last chapter that we saw including the chapter that was part you know season two so maybe we are done with dharma Um, and they kind of talked about how the tone of uh, season six would be they said it would feel like season one all, all over again with more emphasis on character development yeah and certainly that's something that we are definitely in favor yes. of um, any of thing that anything that we would say was a weakness of the last season as fantastic was as it was was kind of the sacrifices made for character development for plot movement so if it feels more like season one if we can see more pensive and you know just a, a slightly more uh, eerie take a slightly more uh, uh, somber take I'd certainly be open to that and I think um, the the only the other question that I thought was significant was about Jacob right somebody asked has Jacob ever appeared as something or somebody else and the answer to that was definitively no which 
doesn't seem like much on the surface, but when you really start to think about it, it explains a lot of things. And it, it disproves a lot and of things. And it disproves a I lot think. of things, yeah. So I thought, yeah, I think in terms of answering questions, like I said, it wasn't devoid of answers. I, I am certain that it was they did exactly what they planned to do um, in terms of entertaining us and thanking us, but I don't think that it was completely free of, of answers. I certainly feel as satisfied, or actually certainly more satisfied than I did last year. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that was also apparent through Comic-Con in general was that there were strong hints that characters that we've lost would be seen again, at least for a little while. Now, you mentioned um, Faraday and Juliet coming back. And of course, seeing them doesn't necessarily mean they're alive or coming back back, but that they would be present and, you know, filming scenes for season five, which was encouraging. But at the very end of the panel, the big screaming, you know, all of the yelling was for Dominic Monaghan. The Stairway to Heaven moment, yeah, it was Dominic Monaghan coming out on stage. Um, After the In Memoriam segment, um, we see, you know, we see in this segment, we see Charlie dying again, and then Dominic Monaghan comes out and waves to the crowd. What I didn't know, and what I realized later, was that he had the Am I Alive written on his hand. Yeah, on his hand, Am I Alive, as he waved, and Caesar, that fantastic photographer there, um, captured a really good shot of that, so certainly there's a tease there. Um, Now, Elizabeth Mitchell said both on her V panel and, of course, and confirmed by Damon uh, Lindelof and Carlton Cuse that she would be back, as well as Jeremy Davies. Now, also at Comic-Con, we saw uh, um, Ian Somerhalder. Yes, he is on a new show starting in the fall called The Vampire Diaries, oh, which is awful. It's disastrous. But it's disastrous. <laughs> after we sat through the the pilot for the second time, he was actually on the panel and he did say that he planned on coming back. Yep, he said that it was only contingent on the, the Vampire's Diaries letting him go, but that he, there's already been conversations. But I think it's fairly confident, I can be fairly confident that we're going to see Boone, good old Boone, the very Boone. first character that we lost on Lost um, coming back as well. And of course, we've known since actually the end of season four that although we didn't see Claire this season, they've said from the outset right. that em- Emily DeRaven is going to be a full-time regular cast member in season six so we're going to see her again as well Adewale Akinoye Agbaje aka Mr. Echo has also gone on record saying that he would like to come back yeah that's right I mean that wasn't uh, at Comic Con specifically but it was kind of tied to Comic Con because uh, Adewale is in G.I. Joe and there was a lot of promotion for that and it was during the interviews that he's doing press for that that of course people were asking him about Lost and he has gone on record saying yes I would like to come back in fact he has said he has had conversations with them on coming back and I think that I mean, if there's any character that we've lost, um, I actually kind of would like to see Annalise again. No one's ever mentioned her name. But of all the characters that we've lost, I'd like to see um, Mr. Echo above all else. I would wet my pants. Oh, my. You would get, <laughs> you would get all wee-weed up. Um, but uh, I, we, we do need to set the record straight, of course. We've said on this podcast several times, kind of based on the general reporting at the time, that when um, Adewale left Lost, it was because it was a great deal of frustration with Hawaii. He just wasn't uh-huh. comfortable here with the isolation. Well, now it's definitely been confirmed both by Carlton and Damon and by him in subsequent interviews that, in a sense, yes, he left because he was uncomfortable and isolated here, but it was largely due to... To a family uh, situation. I, I think both of his parents were ill at the time. Right. So, I mean, no you know, no knocks against him as well. I mean, he had some personal issues to take care of. Now he's, a, he's loving life as an actor. He's in G.I. Joe, for crying out loud. <laughs> Why can't he hop a plane to come back to Hawaii? So I thought, you know, as far as uh, faces that we have not seen for a while coming back, I mean, I think that's encouraging 
if we're going to go with the, you know, whatever the Jack's plan working means, um, I'm certainly happy about that. Some good news. I happen to notice, you know, the in memoriam segment back to that, um, that we saw it started out kind of funny with um, Frogert and the flaming arrows, and then it gradually got more serious. And we saw Charlie's death scene again. I realized that there was a conspicuous absence in that in that in memoriam mm-hmm. segment, and that's Locke. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that that several people caught on that and also when they started the panel when they brought down the lights and they showed the Lost logo with all the silhouettes of each character lined up on the hill as Lost is known to do and then they brought up the color so you would see every single one of the main members of the cast but the one character in that line of people that was facing the other way facing backwards basically was Locke so both from his absence in the uh, in memoriam segment and from what they did to him in that logo treatment I think it's very significant Um, we, we can debate to all ends what that might mean. But yeah, certainly we've not seen the end of Locke. But what Locke is or who Locke is right. in season six is probably going to blow our minds. So yes, the uh, Lost panel was great. I would have to say that one of the highlights for me was uh, after the Lost panel. And I'm furiously trying to get the audio uploaded. And it took a long time. And I'm trying to find a good signal. I'm using a friend's uh, you know EVDO card. I, and I'm I, looking for the bathroom. Oh, true. So I'm in a corner side aisle of the convention center. No one's there. I mean, it's just a bunch of maybe, you know, maybe women changing their baby's diapers and some people resting along the wall. But I'm just there with my headphones on trying to get this uh, audio uploaded and I get a tap on my shoulder and somebody says, excuse me, are you Ryan Ozawa? And I turn around and I, I, you know, somebody, some people at Comic-Con saw Robert Downey Jr. But Uh that was, forget that. I met, (laughs) I met Greg Nation, the oh, uh, the uh, the keeper of the Grand Encyclopedia, the book, the Bible of all information needed to make Lost work, and uh, you know, very nice guy, wonderful warm i mean clearly he had just been through practically a war in a way i mean he was key in the planning of that uh, lost panel and he also said to me at the time you know every minute literally every minute was scripted they even had to build in time for people to laugh and cut stuff out because they knew people were going to be laughing so every minute of that was scripted and he did a lot he had a lot to do with it and he was wonderful he said you know what did you think how about this how about that i saw i i loved the i said oh you made fun of heroes i can't believe you went <laughs> there you know and he goes well you know you know that uh, tim kring you know th- they're friends with damon and carlton they worked it out with him they got that you know that w- wording for the for the script um and a little bit of trivia he said that they got all of the props back that they had on stage you know the taser uh-huh. the box that had to be unlocked but the script to heroes disappeared really of all the things at the lost panel to be sniped from the stage it was the lost script so in any case a highlight of comic-con for me at least as as a lost nerd was meeting greg nation and i can believe i missed it yeah but you also met beth oh that's right uh also a fantastic wonderful star um that 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 came over to say hi and definitely didn't need to and i certainly wasn't particularly tuned into what was going on around me but beth um that's jorge garcia's better half Uh wonderful person um also came over to say hi as well and yeah she you know 
unfortunately you weren't there, but I tried to represent you as best I could. I even made <laughs> a slightly sexy voice, let's say. Oh, that. gosh. So, um, again, you know, the, the panel was great. Uh, after the panel was great, I was just trying to get the audio up, but there were a couple of other things. There was, of course, the Lost Podcast panel, which we've discussed briefly, but there was another Lost panel. Right. We also took in the Entertainment Weekly Totally Lost panel featuring Jeff Jensen from Entertainment Weekly and Dan Snyerson. Uh, they brought in Greg Nations. Yes. Greg Nations actually started to ask answer a few questions mm-hmm. and then Taman and Carlton came in put a bag over his head and and shoot him out of the room <laughs> right it was pretty hilarious i mean i'm certainly uh, that would have that panel alone would have been great just with the discussion of lost fans and i'll admit you know when i said i was going to head over there some of the others weren't necessarily hot on the idea no, of i mean i was pretty losted out by that point and so not, i wasn't you know, expecting uh, much. and not only that by looking at the description he's like well you know it's basically a bunch of lost fans talking to each other and how much more of that do we need but we were definitely glad to get there because yes they had um greg nations on the panel until he was kidnapped i thought that was hilarious uh-huh. um another key part of that totally lost panel was a wonderful defense of of expose right that well this is a very controversial subject yes. between the two of us ryan is a fan of that episode me not so much but now that i have seen them discuss what went into the episode i actually appreciate it a little bit more right and, and you know jeff jensen has also been an advocate of it he said on at the panel that he thinks that it's going to eventually be the most popular episode of lost better than walkabout i don't know about i that. wouldn't go that far but as far as an episode of lost that breaks down that fourth wall that takes makes fun of itself that is self-conscious and has a wonderful sense of humor including the tributes to like Hitchcock and everything uh-huh. I, I really think Expose was sold short so it was a great thrill to see a serious discussion of that at a Lost panel and then of course the uh, highlight of that extra Lost panel was the appearance Michael of Michael Emerson that's right it was fantastic and the, the you know uh, Jeff J- Jensen and Dan Snyerson did it great because they were like hey it's Michael Emerson and everyone screamed and they stopped and said, wouldn't it have been awesome if he was actually here? And everyone just <laughs> booed them. And then they said, oh, I'm kidding. And here he is again. And then you, there was sort of a half-hearted cheer because they figured they were being right, punked right. again. And then he comes in and all heck breaks loose. And Michael Emerson was fantastic. He basically answered fan questions for the rest of the panel. And he's just so funny and so gracious and seems like such a fun guy that... It, it was wonderful. Yeah, I, I mean, was so glad I went. You can tell he's a fan of the show, but you can also tell that he's just a fantastic actor who's who's serious and knows his craft. He talked about a little bit about his process. He talked about how well he do, he works with Terry O'Quinn, how they kind of have the symbiotic understanding, and uh-huh. when they act together, it's like magic on the set. I just loved some of those stories. So it was definitely fantastic to see Michael Emerson once more, but in th- at that point, in a much more intimate environment. I right. mean, his performance at the Lost Panel just knocked us dead it was hilarious but um you know for for him to just sort of sit and talk warmly like and that, thoughtfully yeah. yeah was very very special so all in all a a, a treasure trove uh, uh an avalanche a gigantic a uh, heaping spoonful a heaping spoonful of a loving spoonful of delicious lost stuff at comic-con and of course it was a bittersweet one because at least so far the, uh-huh. they're saying officially that that was their last Comic-Con appearance. Mm-hmm. They're saying that they're going to want to go into hiding after the finale of the series ends and let fans process it. And I don't know. Uh, I'd like to, you know, it's sad if it was our last Comic-Con, but we enjoy ourselves so much we are tempted to return as well. It's not just the show for us. It's all of it. It's the people. It's San Diego. It's the madness 
on the exhibit floor, all of it just is, is, that's the reason we would go back. Right. And then we know that many of the lost fans are going to be there, even if ABC isn't officially going to be there. So that would make it worthwhile. And of course, we spent some time in San Diego, and there's a lot of stuff there that maybe our kids would enjoy. So, you know, we're already starting to rationalize a possible return, maybe not alone this time, but another way to experience maybe a little bit of Comic-Con again. But I do want to ask you, do you think if Lost, if it was possible for uh, Lost to go back one more time and have another Lost panel that they should to maybe answer questions and explain everything that wrap done. things up definitely because i already know right now there's going to be a bunch of stuff they're not going to get to just because there's only what 18 hours left mm. there's going to be a lot of stuff that they won't answer and i saw how the sopranos ended i saw how angry people were just to put a few minds at rest maybe they should at least humor us and, and come up with something to give well, us. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'd, I'd necessarily want that. I guess as a fan, I would want that. But as a person who who believes in the integrity of the storytelling process, I'm not sure if I'd like that. I mean, um, a, an example that pops into my head is the Dumbledore is gay revelation, right? After yeah. the publication of all of the books, um, the, the author, J.K. Rowling, said, oh, by the way, although there were hints, I'm going to confirm, yes, Dumbledore was gay. And part of me is like, well, that's kind of nice to know, but that's outside of canon. That's really... Really yeah. not part of the original package. And my fear is that we would, if given the opportunity to, to pepper them with questions, they might start to dispel or dissolve things that might have been much better left to us to think about, you know? Yeah, possibly. I mean, it, maybe it goes back to the wonderful uh, song from Commentary, the musical on, on the Commentary right. soundtrack to Dr. Harble, where they talk about how suddenly artists are required to explain themselves and justify everything. And that kind of takes the magic out of it. So I guess it does, I, yeah. That's, that's my worry if they came back the other reason why they would come back is even more troubling though and that's sort of like the uh the Battlestar Galactica model which is great series everybody was in love with it they've said that there's an end point oh but by the way miniseries and spinoff you know and something else and they're going to just somehow yeah, come out with and that, that definitely cheapens it for me that it it's it kind of smells like oh we've got some more bills to pay let's put out something else right i mean i i again i mean the the simple fan of me was like oh okay sure a sitcom with hurley and miles i'd probably go for that yeah. uh, uh jack making an appearance as himself on desperate housewives i don't know but Part of me hopes that that universe can be a finite one and that anything beyond that is left to us to imagine. So whether or not Lost comes back, though, uh, Comic-Con was definitely a worthwhile trip. I and, had uh, so much fun. We would encourage those of you who haven't done it to do it. And there's always stuff there, even if Lost isn't there. Yeah, We've even, missed so much stuff. Yeah, go to any panels you can, anything that looks interesting, and definitely spend some time on, on the floor at the exhibit hall. Right. Now, um, I did want to talk a little bit about the stuff that is unfolded kind of related to Comic-Con in the aftermath, in the aftermath, in the weeks that followed. Um, because, for example, one of the clips that we saw at the start of the Lost panel is sort of continuing. Right. The panel opened with a clip from Mysteries of the Universe, which is a fictional 1980s like mystery anthology show like um, in Search of with Leonard Nimoy. That's right. That's right. Uh, they're, they're releasing a series of them. That's right. So the one that we saw was the very first one, and there was a, a much longer one released online. The one that we saw at Comic-Con was shorter, but that first one really just talked about secret societies and the Masons and, oh, Dharma Initiative, another one of these that may not be an innocent humanitarian group. And uh, since then, they had a second video that talked about the disappearance, the mysterious disappearance of Phil and Olivia and how they, and sort of the Dharma recruiting process, um, and including, like, some references to 
the ARG and stuff from the booth that we saw last year. Oh, right. So, and there were also some troubling for some people mentions of like Area 51 and, and the possibility of aliens. Right. But I don't know if that necessarily means anything because any show that goes down that path kind of has, will kind of touch on that stuff, but there are more videos coming. Right. Um, they're slated to release one on September 8th, October 15th, and November 16th. Yeah, and the, the idea or the thought is that this is actually just going to be a full and connected feature on the season 5 DVD when it comes out. Right. But why not? You know, why not uh, release it in pieces? And you can find those at abc.com. Also at the Lost Panel and at the auction booth. In fact, they were giving out these little cards and pencils advertising Lost University. It's going to be part of the Blu-ray release of season five. It will open on September 22nd with courses including introductory physics of time travel, family psychology, jungle survival basics. They had uh, deciphering hieroglyphics. Uh, and then, But, you know, it's not all out. It's all, some of it is very referencing the show itself. You know, the right. languages of Lost, the art of Lost. Um, there's a, a kind of a physics special with Jeremy Davies, which I think cool. is going to be kind of cool. So this is all going to be online, lostuniversity.org. And uh, again, you know, there's sort of hints that it might be a ARG. Like uh-huh. on the back of the card was a phone number for a professor that says that he's not going to be back until the September, September 22nd. 22nd. But really, it does tie in with the blu-ray release so it's not i don't i mean i think arg is a strong word for it it's Uh just maybe a creative promotion for the dvds but it's still kind of cool so the site lost university have has had some updates already showing up they just this past weekend or uh, maybe a couple weeks ago they had they posted the the menu at the lost student union and of course references to uh uh, mr cluck's chicken shack dharma subs right right. hot dogs (laughs) frogert's frozen treats kind of good (laughs) stuff and you know there's movie screen in room 42 of the Wizard of Oz and and uh, the, the Empire Strikes Back. And Carrie. And, right. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's sort of a school in the universe of Lost, which is kind of fun. There was a job fair uh, sponsored by Oceanic and Ajira Airlines, but there was a canceled air show as well, if I recall. Oh, really? So a, lot of, a lot of issues there. I think the biggest um, extension, the biggest universe that has grown out of Comic-Con, though, ties to that first kind of surreal plant question at the Lost uh-huh. panel with uh, that comedian. Paul Shearer. He's right. appeared on a bunch of shows. I'm not exactly sure which. We saw him on 30 Rock last night. Yes. He showed off a painting um, during his question at Comic-Con, and he titled it Damon Carlton and a Polar Bear, yep. and he used it to plug his site, Damon Carlton and a Polar Bear.com. <laughs> exactly. So after Comic-Con, he said, you know, I'm going to sell these paintings, um, but then it just sort of became this surreal uh, reality reality surreality show thing kind of going on where uh you know so i'm I'm gonna sell these paintings and and it's a tribute to loss but oh no i'm getting a cease and desist from this other company uh ronnie Ronnie midview Midview arts Arts. um and as soon as of course you get any bizarre sounding name in uh lost you say that's got to be an anagram so Yeah, yeah well it could be widmore fine arts or get this Rewind time so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like rewind time so far. I mean, to me, Widmore Fine Arts from Ronnie Midview Arts is not a very no, good anagram because really. Arts is in there twice. Um, so rewind time so far, that's really tantalizing or troubling, I guess, depending on your philosophy about what season five might do. So it was kind of cool. I mean, so it just sort of was this unfolding story, but already there are little 
things. I mean, like little hidden messages on the Ronnie Midview website. Like one, uh, that website said, has said, 15 will be lost, the 16th will be found. Hmm. Um, so what does that mean? I mean, but the weird part, if this is an ARG, just like the DVD thing, is that it's in the real world and it's referencing the show. There's no separation there. It's not, <laughs> it's right. not entirely within the universe of loss. And of course, the uh, D- Damon Carlton at a polar bear.com and Ronnie Midview, uh, their website, that's all, it's all quite publicly owned by ABC. So this is all part of, you know, something very organized. So it's very strange. Um, but uh, there were, there have been other, there was another video that, uh, that Paul Shear put out. Right. He posted a video in which he hears from a Mr. Clue <laughs> that ABC threw away his painting that it was found in a dumpster. So he sneaks onto the ABC lot. He actually crosses paths unknowingly with Damon and Carlton. Right. He digs around in a dumpster. He finds a drawing of the temple, mm. a rose, and the shredded title page of a lost script. Yeah, so uh, this script and what's on it, I guess that this is going to be the little piece of spoiler in our podcast. Yeah, you uh, might want to skip about ahead about a minute. Yeah, a minute, minute and a half. We're not going to talk about it too long, but it was the the title of the uh, first episode of season five, and I believe it's been confirmed, and it was... L-A-X. Yes, not L-A-X, the, the airline or the airport, but L-A space X, and of course, Paul Shear makes it clear when he reads it as well right. that that space is there. So there's a lot of debate about what it means. I mean, certainly a, an episode title could be spoilers, but there's so much ambiguity. Um, what do you think L-A space X means? Um, well, my first thought was it's a Roman numeral for right. 10. Mm-hmm. So L.A. in 2010, and I think that's uh, the Entertainment Weekly's columnist's uh, theory there. I kind of like the the X for 10 people. You know? Yeah, like the Oceanic Six. Yeah, There's the, now the, the L.A. 10. Once again, they're going to set aside a certain number of people, maybe people that were um, there by the blast, or maybe people that were touched by Jacob, but 10 people who are variables, because X is also a variable, that's true. that are going to play a part at the start of Season 6. But, you know, that's so vague um, that I don't really think it gives away too much, and it gets a lot a good conversation going. We certainly wouldn't mind hearing what you think that might mean. But in any case, the uh, Ronnie Midview story is continuing to unfold. I mean, basically, the story was that Paul Shear, Ronnie Midview, and Damon Carlton formed a partnership now, and they're all big buddies. And instead of... Um, stopping him from from making these artworks there's going to be more artworks they actually held a real world concert in los angeles last weekend and uh, there was like dharma logos there a black rock painting a hatch in the in the club oh yeah and the fantastic part was they had a uh, appearance there by um, someone from the cast uh, i can't remember his name who's the little boy who played ben little ben sterling bowman yeah so sterling bowman was there and he announced another website Actually, it's ketchup.com, which is cool. a, a Hurley line um, when it wasn't blood on him. So in any case, so you go to actually it's ketchup.com. And the, now they're saying there's going to be a series of 16 artworks. And the first one was at actually it's ketchup.com. And it's a Hurley Center artwork by artist Tim Doyle. So there's going to be 16 more of these. And so it's pretty interesting. Again, more, I think, marketing than an ARG. Right. And um, now if you go to the Damon Carlton and PolarBear.com site, it's going to have those 16 pictures as they come comes in. But the, the thing is, there's still a message there that says, these are hints. Some will lead to physical places, I guess, like that concert, and some just take you to another website. But the end result, the coolest part of the fun, can be achieved by just staying in your house. No need to stand up, get dressed, and start flailing your arms to your waiting car because everyone will have a chance to get to the end result as long as you're online and stay tuned to this website. We'll give you everything you need to know and soon. Mm. So 
clearly there's going to be a lot of effort put into extending this game, this promotion, this marketing effort, this alternate universe slash parallel planet. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what this is, but um, it's actually in many ways, I think, a little more compelling than where the ARG didn't go last year. The ARG last year was really disappointing, but it looks like they're making up for it this year. Yeah, it's not. I, 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 again, don't like calling it an ARG because it talks about the show and it's in our world, not the show's world. But um, Paul Shearer is certainly entertaining, so it'll be interesting to see where they go with this uh, promotion. Well, we're not really ARG people. We haven't followed any of the ones before. Right. But this one looks pretty interesting and I think we'll follow along. Absolutely. So, I guess that's it for our take on Comic-Con and uh, the long aftermath. So we'll take a quick break, and when we return, we'll hear from you all, everybody. Well, there certainly has been a lot of chatter and analysis of what was shown and said at Comic-Con and what's been happening since among Lost fans and all across the web. But we wanted to share on our show, at least, some of the thoughts that we received from you over the last couple of weeks. Ito writes on the blog, My impression is that they didn't answer much and decided to focus the panel on paying homage to the fans for being there since season one. Hence all the videos, gifts, jokes, winks. Not that this isn't a constant in all the Lost Comic-Con panels to date, but I think it was more evident this time i wish they'd given us more information on what was coming up on season six but i've had a really good time listening to the panel audio yeah i mean then we discussed that i mean a lot of people felt that it was very very fan service very very fan pandering maybe even and not so much answers i think there was a good mix of both well they can't give away all their secrets right i actually i'm not sure if i would like a comic-con panel where they gave us a lot of stuff. I mean, this conjecture is what keeps our brains spinning right. during the hiatus. But in any case, I, I'm i glad, I tour that you enjoyed listening to the panel audio. We went back and listened to it several times ourselves. Mike emailed us to say, interesting that they keep hinting that Jack's plan to turn back the clock might actually be what we see next season. From Jorge's question about the last few seasons being all for nothing if that happens, to the video at the end of the panel with all the dead losties, to Kuzilov saying we will definitely see Liz Mitchell next season and of course appearance of Dom at the end of the panel. So, either this is a big red herring, as Jacob was preparing in the season finale, or Jack's plan might have actually worked. And um, I think I agree. We yes. agree. The The message couldn't be any more clear. Um, either they're messing with us, which is a possibility, but I think that they want to preemptively get us pondering the possibility so that we don't completely have our minds blown or, or revolt, frankly, when the, when the season starts. Brian in New York City writes... I had a thought on the new storytelling device that Dalton alluded to. What if our 70s losties are no longer a real focus of the show? What if the way we see them is through TV or radio or newspaper stories of what is going on in the alternate timeline that they jump to after the detonation of Jughead? The commercials that were shown hint at something like that. All of those who have died, including Jack, Kate, Sawyer, Juliet, Jin, Saeed, and the Blast are redeemed and transferred back to the 815 flight and land at LAX and continue their alternate lives. Their story is essentially over, but we'll see them periodically throughout season six. Meanwhile, the show's focus goes to how Ben and Widmore are the ultimate deities of the island, and they have been the puppet masters, not Jacob and anti-Jacob. Those left in 2007, Locke, Son, Richard, Frank, Desmond, etc., have the ending of their story yet to be told and will be wrapped up by the end of season six hmm well i don't think it's quite likely that they're going to write off half the cast i doubt Um, it and although i mean one of the points that uh brian is making is going to be to me seems quite likely which is it's been a practice on this show that in part to create tension and drama they're going to split up 
our cast. You know, right. our characters are going to be in two different places, two different times, whatever it is. And I certainly think that's going to continue. Um, and I think there's going to be a division, although I'm pretty sure that it's been telegraphed that season six, when they talk about a different storytelling device, I believe they're going to get away from separating them through time. Somehow and in some way, I'm hoping at least, it seems likely that the end game of this series will have everybody all together. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's necessarily going to happen that, uh, you know, oh, th- these stories go sort of this way and they ha- live happily ever after. And here's where the rest of the conflict happens. But, you know, again, with with the possibility of changing time, changing the future, history, um, alternate timelines, alternate universes, um, it can get your mind to going to all sorts of interesting places. So thanks for your email, Brian. Now, BCK Lockhart writes and says, After all, we saw at Comic-Con, I really think that whatever they did in the Season 5 finale changed something so that the whole Oceanic Flight 815 never happened. None of the passengers that we know and love were on the flight. The flight never went off course. The flight never crashed. Desmond never failed to push the button, etc. I think Season 6 will be partly about Jacob going into the past and arranging for each of the characters to be on that fateful flight, or I guess another flight or a similar flight or something like that, because of Jacob's actions directly and indirectly through others like Matthew Abaddon, each of the main characters will be put on that flight so that all the events that we have seen in the first five seasons will occur. I think Richard will have a key role in this as well. I know they try to do that with 316, sort of the machinations of getting everybody on 316. And it just, I don't know, that episode to this day really bugs me Hmm. just because of... I don't know. I don't know what it is. I really wouldn't want to see that happen. Well, you know, I I, I like that you bring up 316. I wasn't had, hadn't thought about that, but there are many things that they've done in Season 5 that really took the wind out of some of my own theories about where the show is going to go. Right. Season 5 included Jack waking up in the jungle, you know, in the bamboo, just uh-huh. like in the pilot. I'm like, oh, I was sure that's how the series was going to end, but after, now that they've done it here, they're not I don't do think they're again. going to do it again. Yeah. So you're right. If it's going to be, oh, that uh, I like, you know, yes, Matthew Abaddon was sort of putting every all the pieces in place we've seen that happen and the recreation of 316 and whatever uh, ha- has to happen to make that happen I'm not sure if that's really a compelling way to go either and um, you know he says that if flight 815 never crashed never went off course and everything's fine so what flight is it that they're going to get on I mean right exactly I, are they, is there going to be another flight number I think I'm hoping that uh, the, those themes don't necessarily repeat but we could be completely wrong so don't listen to us. <laughs> Jan from France writes, yeah. always said that the plan worked. Flashback, flash forward, time travel, and now what new way is there left? The next big one in sci-fi, a different dimension. Mm-hmm. Have we been robbed, as asked by Jorge? Well, the universe, unfortunately, has a way of course correcting. So we will be able to compare what has happened in the past and how the universe course corrects it all. And I guess that some of them will know things have changed, maybe Desmond or Faraday or Richard. A parallel universe would also explain the food drop. On a different bearing, it changed dimension, and maybe the purge has not happened if the bomb has exploded, and that is why they received it in 2004. If what we saw in Comic-Con was real, what kind of parallel universe character would you like to see? Confident Jack? Divorced Jin? My, well, a lot of good stuff in there. I guess, first of all, yes, I think that the there there is an untapped cliche or model of science fiction that an alternative universe could be one of them. I, I'm more more intrigued by, of course, the course correcting thought that um, yes maybe Jack and everybody arrives in LA and nothing happens on 815 but because they need to get into and end up on the island to 
create the events that we've seen for the last five seasons, that other things will happen that end up putting them in place. And maybe, it, maybe again, maybe it goes back to what uh, BCK Lockhart is saying, is that uh, there will be machinations to put the, make those events happen even though they didn't happen. That somehow, you know, like the commercial with Kate, and she still wanted, you know, she didn't kill her dad, but, but she still wanted. But not for the wanted. reason right. that, that she was before. So maybe uh, Hurley is happy and lucky, and maybe there isn't going to be a meteor that wipes out Mr. Clux, but for whatever reason, something befalls him again that drives him to end up uh, wanting to get on a plane. So that could be that could be one way to look at it. The course correcting is certainly a hint that we've got. Um, but the uh, what do you think about the parallel dimension, and that's why the food dropped on the on the island? I I don't know. The whole food drought thing I thought was explained sort of um, with the freighter, with the people going crazy on the freighter. I I thought it was more, and and also the doctor washing up on the beach before he died on the boat. I thought that was the this what the story was with the food drop. Yeah, I, I I thought that that was what the solution was too. That um, whatever whatever plane made that food drop came in on completely the wrong bearing, right? And the 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 food ended up you know skipping through time and showing up way after it was supposed to arrive. Um, but I do think that people that uh, know what may or may not have happened, despite the fact that the universe itself is different, is key. You know, I do think that uh, we've been told that Desmond is special. The rules don't apply to you. Right. Faraday certainly has had something strange things going on in his brain and uh richard being around for such a long time might also have some information so right. that's all good stuff my favorite part of yan's question though is if there is a different world suddenly what changes in our characters would you like to see let's see um a happy well-adjusted nice on lucia Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe she does go back and reconcile with her mom and maybe becomes a great law enforcement person or something. That'd be kind of nice to see. Um, Boone, you know, I thought that his character was on a pretty good arc before he got killed off very early on. Right. I think that he was suited for bigger things and maybe he'd become a leader in some way or something like that. Yeah. Well, what I would like to see is for him to rescue Shannon. I mean, she was in a really bad situation. Her stepmother had cut her out of her father's will. I would have liked to see Boone help her out to to pull her out of whatever it was that made her so angry and sad. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, and you just think of all of again all of the characters whose stories were kind of tragic. Charlie, um, who was a one hit wonder. You know, what if Drive Shaft was the was the U two of our generation? Yeah, or something? that'd be kind of awesome. I like uh, Yans. You know, confident Jack. That certainly would be nice because I miss that dude. Um, divorced <laughs> Jin. Now that could be fascinating because you. Yeah, I love when you when you go back and you watch the early series episodes. The, the the progression of the character of Sun and Jin as a married couple, where he's the bad guy first, and then actually she turns out to be the bad guy in the couple, et cetera, et cetera. Can you imagine what it would what what their stories would be if the connection didn't happen? If they were completely independent, and you know Jin wouldn't have ended up being a killer for Sun's um, dad and Sun. You mean might if have they been, never meet? Yeah, or if they weren't married, basically, oh, if yeah. they weren't a couple, their lives in an alternative universe, I think, would be very interesting. She might have she might have married Jay Lee. Uh huh. That's right. So, oh, great, uh, great fodder for uh, at least fanfic <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> um, uh, Joe from Massachusetts, and um, that's Joe from the Comic Con line, Hi, the Lost Panel line. Hi, Joe. Uh, writes and says, "It seems like Darlton is going down a route many thought they would never go, and that's the alternate timeline." There was an interview with Matthew Fox where he said the two li- timelines would be solidified into one, and many think that the other timeline to be the 1977 timeline. But Darlton also said. 
said that they were done with the flash forward and time travel seasons. What if the flashes, at least for the first third of season six, consisted of flash sideways, where the show flashes back and forth from the already established timeline and the alternate timeline? This could be what Damon meant when the when he answered Jorge's question with "Trust us." Do you guys think that this is possible and that the writers would be brave enough to attempt this? I figure, why not? If they can get this far doing flash forwards and paradox free time travel, it's a little like that movie Sliding Doors. Right. Do you uh, remember that movie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I, and you know, there's a number of uh, comparisons with other properties that are coming up in the feedback. Uh, that's that'd be fascinating. Um, I still think that if you kind of go down the path where uh, if these things happen parallel, the stuff that we knew it as it happened in the first five seasons and the stuff that's happened now in this different world, um, that I'm not sure how satisfying that necessarily is going to be, unless that uh, we do see the people in the alternative timeline coming to a realization that something's wrong. Right. That uh, that there is just something seriously wrong with this world. I don't know what that is. And um, that's how things are put in motion to bring them back together again. But yeah, you know, they've done almost every other uh, sci-fi model. This is certainly a, a, a strong possibility. And they've done pretty good with uh, the things they've done so far. So I do yeah. trust them. Certainly. I do. I trust them also. Matt writes, Stephen King's Dark Tower series deals with parallel universes, traveling between them, and even time traveling between them. A subplot in the first book deals with a boy, Jake, who dies in our universe, and at the point he is transported to a parallel universe where the main action takes place. Later in the series, one of the characters travels to our universe's past and prevents Jake's death, which stops him from ever reaching the parallel universe. Rather than erasing him from the parallel universe, the way it's addressed is that Jake's body remains in our universe, but his mind is overloaded with two sets of experiences, one from each reality. The result is that he slowly goes mad, thinking that the parallel reality stuff is just a hallucination. Further on in the story, there is an event that allows Jake, mind and body, to return to this parallel universe, and this reconciles the inconsistency in time. I know the writers are more aware of the Dark Tower, so there might be something to this. Maybe they land at LAX, but they they have full memory of the first five seasons, even though these events never occur in the alternate reality. What do you think about that? I think I need an aspirin. Yeah, I was starting to, I need, maybe I might have needed that diagrammed a little bit better, and I certainly hope that that we didn't spoil it anybody who was going to read the Dark Tower series, but in any case, um, that uh, that sort of ties to some of the previous comments as well, and I, and I just said, maybe if there is this parallel world, that uh, one of the ways the tension exists is that um, the characters, as well as, of course, us, the viewers, know what also happened in the previous incarnation of the universe, so they are aware of it too. So either, either these characters have that awareness, or maybe the special people, the Desmonds who, don't, who these rules don't apply to, the Faradays who have Constance or who have studied this or zapped themselves with the purple light. Um, there could be people for whom that that's true. That's actually kind of interesting because it, that kind of goes into like a psychological terror kind of thing where the characters have this awareness of things that happen to them and they're trying to figure out what it is that they remember without remembering it. That could be very interesting. And um, he makes a very good point in the sense that uh, our lost uh, writers are big, big fans of Stephen King right. and their books. And if there's any series or if there's any author for whom plot elements are very strongly echoed in Lost, it's Stephen King. Absolutely. So definitely worth a read if you're looking for something to read. Mike writes on the blog, I watched Donnie Darko for the first time. All right. Yeah, the director's cut, of course. And if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. But watch it with the director. 
director's commentary right after you watch the movie since you'll most definitely need an explanation. It's interesting how similar the stories are between Darko and Lost. Actually, Darko kind of also reminded me of the time travel episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, from the alternate universes to the book references to one of the main characters trying to fix a rift in time, Lost seems to be heading in the direction of Darko. The only thing that strongly differs is that in Darko, the purpose of or the reason for the plot is never quite revealed, meaning the reason why the tangent universe is opened or created is never given. I think Lost is attempting to do that. Yes. Now, we have, I think, um, many times in the history of our podcast, ever since we saw Darnie Darko, come to the very strong conclusion that that is Lost. Yes, it is. I'm convinced of that. So I'm definitely happy that Mike has made the discovery, and if you, anyone listening hasn't, um, that movie is definitely worth a watch. And um, one of another element that I would point out to Mike that's parallel is that to travel through this rift in time, you need to have some kind of metal sealed canister. And in the in the in Donnie Darko, it's a jet plane engine. Right. In Lost, maybe it's the entire plane. And there's just so so many things that are uh, tied between the two. And um, I, I, I like his observation that, yeah, when you're watching Donnie Darko, these things happen, but you're like, why did that happen? Why, apart from a weird, you know, cosmic event, why did this happen? And if Lost right. is going down that path, at least they've given us sort of an explanation, whether it's the detonation of Jughead in the Swan or any number of other things, we've got some reasoning for it. But but you need to watch the director's cut. I, I don't think I can stress that enough. Yeah, the one that came out in theaters uh, was was not so good. It had large chunks missing. The soundtrack was a lot different, which is kind of a big deal for me. Right. But so you, you really need to see the director's cut. Recommended viewing. Carol writes, regarding the alternate universe, Dalton has always claimed they didn't want to be like Back to the Future and change the past to alter the future. They also said the next season would take place on the island without flashbacks. So does that mean the plane crashes again, but the people on it all have a different past? So they handle the crash in a different way. Will anybody remember the previous crash? By the way, if Dalton does pull a Back to the Future, I will feel dipped that they led us on all these years with a what happened happened scenario. Well, um, I, you know, they've done things that they said they wouldn't do, so I'm not sure right. how much we can put in what they say. But I would agree that I, I hope that the changing the future um, isn't the ultimate game or end game of Lost. I Me think too. that even if they do say that Jack's plan worked and some things change and may, maybe even 815 lands in, at LAX, that uh, it's not going to be a final thing. It's not going to be the solution, that it's actually going to create problems, whether it's course correcting or alternate universes or whatever. Uh, I do trust that there's going to be more to it than um, you know giving somebody the 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 giving somebody the formula to make special plastic so you can bring the whales back to the future or something like that. <laughs> so I, I don't think that that's what it's going to be about. I don't recall them saying that this, everything's going to happen on the island without flashbacks. Although um, there was that earlier comment about Matthew Fox saying that there's going to be a unification of the storyline. Right. I certainly think that it is important for the story that the majority of season six just plugs forward without any more detours or distractions and that will certainly be a nice change um, but i'm not necessarily sure if that's fact um, and finally rich in cleveland writes on the blog on the alternate universe Great idea, but J.J. Abrams already stole it back for himself on Fringe. One of the problems with Lost remaining so open-ended for so long is that other films and TV serials have appropriated some of the more popular endgame scenarios. Not to mention the Star Trek movie. Right. The Star Trek movie and um, you know, Fringe, I think, are very significant right. in terms of what they're saying about time travel and how they work and what the possible implications might be. And, you know, J.J. Abrams has some things that are very common in his universes among them 
reboots, which is, oh, well, that storyline wasn't really working out so well. So some cataclysmic event happens and we'll just start all over again. And I think that a lot of people can make a pretty good argument that that might be, to some extent, the underlying, you know, how we could interpret what the start of season six is going to be. Yeah, a complete reboot. Somebody hit a reboot. And our only hope is that if it is a reboot like J.J. Abrams has done, that um, this one isn't done out of desperation, but as part of the master plan. Right. I do like what Rich says, though, that, you know, because Lost has been on for six years every clever idea that could be the ending might have been taken already and then we might feel that it's copying but it was if it was the plan from the beginning it doesn't seem original to us anymore right well that that is something i i've thought about but i don't know i'm still sticking with the idea that i'm trusting them fully for now yeah i mean what are we gonna do it's the we've given five live five years of our lives to this show we're definitely giving them that last one um i think that if you talk about other franchises though we don't necessarily i mean we love battlestar galactica but i don't want a Battlestar Galactica ending, oh, God. which is just no. Let, let's not get into that. And I definitely don't want a Sopranos ending. I mean, I'm all for an ambiguous ending, but an almost deliberately provocative blank ending like that. I hope that Lost isn't going there either. So I'm willing to have them leave certain things open, but um, I don't want the some like he says. I don't want some of the endings that we've seen out there. Right. All right. Well, that's it for our feedback segment this show. Although I'd like to take a moment to specifically thank listeners who again recently gave us uh, great feedback on our podcast at Thanks, iTunes. Guys. A big uh, I guess I mahalo to Dharma Rose, Harry McBack, Yoga Bond, and Ja Tucker fifty four. That's right. Thanks a lot, folks. And thanks as always for the emails and comments, especially those. Um, responding to our reports from Comic-Con. Now, I'm always worried, or we're always worried, that they're kind of indulgent, you know, who wants to (laughs) watch somebody else's vacation slideshow, but we're glad to hear that most of you enjoyed coming along with us to the Geek Prom, and we had a fantastic time. Yes, we did. And uh, we're only kind of mourning that it's the last one, even if it isn't the last one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we will be right back with our plan for the Season 3 review. Ah, so we enjoyed and finished Season 5. We took a look at that. We went to Comic-Con and had a blast. We took a break. And now, though, there's still five months to fill until Lost returns with Season 6 in January. During last year's hiatus, we went back to finish Season 2, where we left off. This year, we're going to revisit Season 3. As you know, we came out of retirement with Season 4, so it would be nice to close the gap. That's right. Now, we plan to take a fairly leisurely pace. I mean, it is a hiatus, We've got 23 episodes or 24 hours of Lost in Season 3, and I think about 22 weeks to go until Season 6 begins in January 2010. Now, of course, we originally planned to take an episode a week, but, uh, you know, life has a way of getting in the way, and uh, we kind of painted ourselves into a corner. So we took a very unscientific poll on Facebook and Twitter, and fortunately, the vast majority of you were okay with our alternative. Rather than taking it an episode a week, we'll be tackling three episodes every two weeks. Yes, so an episode every other week covering three episodes each. Now, this builds in some wiggle room, which is important, um, but more importantly, it gives us and you more time between podcasts to watch the episodes or some of the episodes and send in feedback because, you know, this is a hiatus and as much as we miss loss, we're also enjoying the break and we sure you are as well. We don't want it to be work for anybody, so your participation will be key to keeping us going. For those of you in a hurry and you want to get it done 
done quicker, we should note that there is a very ambitious multi-site Lost rewatch still going on, coordinated by Lostpedia. It's covering four episodes a week, and they're starting season three this month. So they'll be done in October, and they'll sprint all the way through season five by January. Yeah, so if you prefer a sprint, if you don't want to be held back by us, certainly uh, jump on that train. They're having a blast, and a lot of people are participating. But if you're interested in taking this more leisurely stroll with us, we'll be definitely glad to have you, as it's your thoughts and reactions that'll really keep us going through this hiatus. Uh, That and, I guess, uh, periodic filming reports as well. So get out those Season 3 DVDs. It's the green ones. Mm -hmm. Grab a pad and pencil or a laptop, whichever way you like to take notes, and let's revisit the way Lost was almost three years ago in October 2006. October 2006. Yeah, that seems like so long ago. Yeah. And actually, remember, there was a giant gap. This season was because of the writer's strike. We had the six cage match episodes which we're going to be starting with and then they had to go away for almost three months and then come back with the rest but yeah october 2006 that's amazing so yes for our next podcast your homework assignment is to watch episode one of season three a tale of two cities that's a jack episode episode two the glass ballerina a sun and gin episode and finally episode three further instructions which a lot of people liked and that's a lock episode now we hope to put our podcast out on the 6th of september and And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts, observations, and discoveries then by the uh, third. Let us know what you noticed this time around that you missed the first time. What things suddenly seem to foreshadow things that we saw in season four and five. And of course, what things seem to contradict or just not fit with the lost we know today. Send your feedback via email to lost at hawaiiup.com, post it at the blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost, or call the lost line at 815-310-0808. That is a new number. It's the new number that we announced last time using Google Voice, which we're trying out here at the transmission. Mm-hmm. Again, that's 815-310-0808. And yes, the selection of 815 as the area code was not accidental and (laughs) 0808 is the Honolulu area code so these are ways that I need to remember what the lost line is now before we go we did want to officially announce that we'll be giving away a limited edition Benjamin Linus bobblehead doll to a lucky listener during our season 3 review now the doll was a comic con exclusive by Entertainment Earth great folks there and yes well you can probably find these online at least the bobblehead we're giving away was actually at comic con and all you have to do to get one is is just participate, follow along with us, email us your thoughts as we take another look at the episodes and you're entered to win. That's right. Now, of course, we love feedback however we get it, including that lost line and on our blog. But for simplicity's sake, for our sanity, the Bobblehead Doll giveaway will be based on email. The winner will be drawn from our email inbox at lost at hawaiiup.com. As we hopefully wrap up season three, we, or probably actually our daughter Katie, will draw the name of our winner or winners actually as we will probably throw in something else just for the heck of it yeah we've got some things that we'd like to give away some things that we want to get ourselves uh, nikki stafford's new book and so um we'll 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 try to keep it interesting as we move along and try to keep ourselves sane during this long dark hiatus just a little thing from us but uh, we're glad to do something to encourage the participation as we survive these next five weeks so i guess that's it for this episode of the transmission remember that the transmission is powered by you 
We definitely need your feedback. So please comment on the blog. Call the last line. Send us an email. Send us a semaphore if you need to. <laughs> post a note on iTunes. Tweet us. We love hearing from you. Yeah, on Twitter, I'm Hawaii. And you recently changed your Twitter I handle. changed my Twitter handle from Kili Nai to Mrs. Hawaii. Yes, MRS Hawaii. Um, so that's a little simpler to spell than... Kilinahe, and very so, a lot easier to remember. Yeah, so Hawaii and Mrs. Hawaii on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Of course, to comment on our blog, that's at hawaiiup.com slash lost. Call 815-310-0808 and uh, email us at lost at hawaiiup.com. So we'll be back in two weeks to kick off our Lost Season 3 review and hopefully with some news from the first couple of weeks of filming here in Honolulu. So watch uh, those three episodes and let us know what you think. So stay lost. Aloha. Aloha. This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.